It's my great pleasure now to introduce Matt Dobson, the birthday boy. Matt is our young adults pastor here at Woody's, and uh, he leads a, with a team, a, a massive young adult community here that, that majority come to the 6.30, but some of them, the great ones, come to the 11 as well. So we're really pleased about that. But Matt, um, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you so much for Matt. We pray a blessing on him today. It's his birthday. We pray you'd bless him and Abby, um, his wife, and fill him with your spirit this morning as he speaks to us. Prepare our hearts to hear what he's got to say. And um, yeah, as he teaches from your word, may your word really penetrate our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rachel. My name's Matt. Um, I'm going to be speaking um, and actually continuing our, our series that we're looking at. Hopefully you've been tracking a little bit of what we're doing at the moment. Um, we're kind of going through the Bible, um, zoomed in or zoomed out. I don't quite know which words we're using. Um, but essentially we're going through five key areas um, in the Bible. And I want to ask you a question. Uh, and the question is, what are you known for? What are you known for? If you were chat to your mates or your family um, or people at work, um, what are you known for? What would people be like? Oh, that's Danny. He's generous. Um, I've, I've just been to a, a food festival. I know, it shows. Um, but we went to a, a food festival, me and my wife Abby and her family, um, the Winchester Food Festival. It was posh. Um, it was very nice um, and ate life's food. And it was a, a good old time. Um, but um, there was a moment where um, actually there was a band playing. Does anyone remember back in the day scouting for girls? Yeah, it was about seven out of ten, but it was okay. Um, but they had a moment in their set where they were like, oh, everyone, look at the person in your group that you've, you've come with that is the least posh. And I was looking around and watching all these groups, and they were like, Tarquin, no, it's not you. <laughs> George, stop it. Behave, you silly goose. And swinging the Prosecco, and I was there laughing, and they kind of, oh, this is quite jolly. Looked around to, the, um, to Abby's family, and they were all looking at me. <laughs> Uh, so I've learned a lot about myself, that I am known by Abby's family as the not very posh one. Um, but also Dave, last Sunday evening when he was speaking, um, he commented a lot on my rather smooth and bold shiny head. Um, and he called me a very smooth man. And then now all this week I've had messages from people saying, hello smooth man. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or if it's incredibly creepy. Um, but when we're going through the Bible, what is the Bible known for? What is we as Christians, what should we be known for? And um, we're looking today at the topic of Jesus. Actually, everything in the Bible, we believe, points towards Jesus. Um, last week, Janie was um, talking about covenant um, and a covenant law, and um, we're taking it on from there into this person of Jesus. So if you've got your Bible, open it up. We're going to John, John's Gospel, um, and we're going right at the very beginning of John's Gospel. And it's an important thing to say before we go into John's Gospel, we're going to read the whole of um, this first bit. It says 1 John 1 all the way through to 18. Um, it's important to say that actually this is a different beginning of a gospel compared to all the other beginnings of gospels. 
Um, you have Mark that goes in very quickly into Jesus doing stuff. It's all very actiony and very Jesus, 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 uh, which is brilliant. You have Matthew that goes through the genealogy. Actually, this is the line leading up to, to Jesus. You have Luke who is writing a letter and saying, dear philosopher, 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 this is a letter that I am writing to you about Jesus. Um, but then you've got John here who starts with a poem. And so there's lots of poetic kind of language here. And so reading it the first time, if you're brand new um, to faith, if you're just exploring, there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's lots of imagery. Um, there's lots of motifs and metaphors going on. And today, it's my hope that I unpack a few of these little things so that all of us um, get a deeper understanding of Jesus, get a new revelation of who Jesus is. And so I'm just going to pray before I read through this um, passage in the Bible. And so, God, we pray now that through your word, you would reveal to us something knew of your son Jesus, you would reveal something of his love for us. And so we ask God that you would speak to us all individually, no matter where we've come from, how we're sitting here now, that you would speak to us words of life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So here we go. Strap yourself in. And it's John 1, 1 through to 18. The words will be on the screen as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world has, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen this glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes from me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and the truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. There we go. That's a lot, isn't it? There's a lot going on. Some of it probably makes lots of sense to uh, lots of you. Some of it might not make much sense at all. Um, but I just want to pull out a few little things um, from this passage um, that I think John is trying to get across to us as both people who follow Jesus and people that are brand new and exploring. And the first thing is that John wants to say that Jesus isn't just a nice guy who does nice guy things. 
actually, John, straight from the beginning, he starts with, in the beginning. And what does that remind us of? Reminded of Genesis, way back at the beginning. And John is saying here a really key theological statement. He's saying that Jesus was right at the beginning of all of creation. Jesus was with God. Jesus, actually for John, is saying, is God. And this is the key thing for John, that he wants to start the story of Jesus, not in the immediate actions or the immediate what Jesus is doing, but saying that the life of Jesus starts way back at the beginning in the Old Testament, way back in the Torah, at the very beginning of the Bible story, Jesus was there. And this is really important for us as followers of Jesus, because what it means to us is that John is proposing Jesus is God. But he then goes on to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, what does he mean here? I kind of want to propose to us that through this passage that I've read, um, it's almost like John has put a load of hyperlinks in. All through here, he's expecting people to click on certain words, and it will take them to a separate page that will link them to the whole story that has been told throughout the Bible. And this first word that we click on is the word. What does that mean? Well, for the two listeners of the Gospel of John, there'll be two groups of people. One group will be your Jewish people, and those are the people, the Israelites that we've heard about through the, already the stories that we've um, listened to in this series. Um, those people that are following God, he wants to speak to them, and when they hear the word, what they are immediately transported back to is Exodus. And they're immediately transported back to, in particular, Exodus 19. And this is a story um, where Moses, um, who we've heard about already, listen back to the talks if you haven't listened to the talks, because they were great. And what Janie did last week was, was really brilliant. Um, but Moses, who is a person who led the Israelites out of um, slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land, as he comes down Mount Sinai, after he's just heard the word of God, in Exodus 19 it says, and... Moses led people to the Word of God. Now, the Word of God for Jewish people is really significant. Whenever God speaks, it speaks words of life and creation. And as soon as things come out of God's mouth, things happen. And we see it through uh, the prophets in the early parts of the Old Testament. We see when they speak the Word of God, it's almost as if God himself is speaking. And for Jewish people, it's such a high to think that they would say that the word of God is God. It's God in action. We see it in Genesis when God spoke, things happen. It's the power of God. And so when John is saying the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was God. It's saying that this person who is Jesus is God. Now, the other group of people this is speaking to is a Greek people. And they are people that are, are essentially exploring their faith. And John is clever. 
is uses one word that hits Jewish people that are like, oh my goodness, you're saying that Jesus is God and he was right at the beginning and this is the power of God and it's God in a person right now. For Greek people, this word is logos. And this word is used to um, describe uh, searching for the understanding of the world, for the order of the world, um, for the order of creation, for reason, for plan, for design, for wisdom. And so in people that are exploring for the wider meaning of life, what John is saying, actually Jesus is the embodiment of the person that you are looking for when you're talking about how we understand life, how we understand creation. If you're exploring faith, if you're exploring what does the world mean, how do we make sense of this world, how do we make uh, a kind of organized reason within this world, what John is saying here is you can find the answer in the person of Jesus. In one word, it hits two different audiences and says Jesus is the answer. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the answer to all the questions you have about life. But as we continue reading on through um, John, you might think, oh, well, he's talked about the word. Um, but then we see later on in verse 14, it comes up again. You're like, John, mate, you've done this bit already. <laughs> you've talked about the word. We get it. You've said it already. And what John is using here is repetition. And this is an important thing that we need to see, that whenever we read through Gospels, you'll see repetition. You'll see things come up again, and it's kind of like when you're taught to count, that five plus five equals ten, count your fingers, got it. But also, if you've got five P plus five P equals ten P, okay, I'm using my counting, I can do things with it. There's two different things going on with the same practice, and so what um, John is saying here is when he's using the word, he's saying, hey, Tune in again, I'm going to say something that's another little hyperlink that's going to spring you to another part of the story of the Bible um, that is really important for you to grasp. And in verse 14 and 15, we see this, actually just verse 14. See, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And again, this is another hyperlink. And what it's linking people to, this word glory, people will be immediately transported back to Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, um, it's Moses again. And he's wrestling with God. He says, God, I want to see the whole of you. I want to see your glory. I want to see your weight, your presence. I'm, I'm so for you and so about you that I want to see the wholeness of you. And God's response to Moses, Moses is a hero of faith, is you can't see all of me because I am so holy. I am God the creator who is perfect. You'll be destroyed if you come into my presence. But what I will do for you is I will walk past you and you can see my back. It's an amazing story, a really significant one, because what it speaks to is the intimacy and connectedness between God and his people. But what didn't happen for Moses was he didn't see the wholeness of God. But what John is saying here is actually the wholeness of God, fully God, all his glory is presented in the person that is Jesus. 
that is walking here on earth, a real-life person, embodied the wholeness of the glory of God in human flesh. A God who was distant and far away and couldn't be um, in the presence of us, now made human, fully human, fully God, walking amongst the earth with his people. This is a game changer. It's a game changer for us. And you might be thinking, Matt, why are we going through like the Old Testament looking back in this? We want to hear about Jesus. Why is this important for me? What, what does this matter to me? And this is really significant for us. Because it's saying that Jesus, who was a real human being, was really God. And how that impacts us is in the middle section between those two, the word, the words, where John proposes a new um, theme that's going to be running through his gospel. And that is one of life, light, and darkness. In John uh, 4 through to 5, um, it says this, In him, that's Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We see in the life of Jesus, as John tees it up now, we see a life of love, a life of light, a life of light shining into dark places. That's as real today as it was back then. We see in the life of Jesus um, someone who healed people. We see in the life of Jesus someone um, that loved people that society said were unlovable. We see Jesus who loved people that they themselves said that they were unlovable. We see Jesus who flips a table of injustice. We see Jesus who speaks truth to lies. In Jesus, we see the glory of God. In Jesus, we see light in darkness. That is real for us now. But as well as seeing the life and light in Jesus' life, we also see it in his death. In verse 17, it says, For the law was given to Moses, grace and truth were given through Jesus Christ. In Matthew 5, it says, uh, Jesus speaking himself, he says that I have come to fulfill the law, not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. And this is an important thing for us to understand, continuing in the story of the whole Bible, as we go from covenant law right through now into Jesus, um, we see that Jesus saying, I'm going to fulfill the law. And for us, we need to understand what that actually means. What's the purpose of the law? What was the point of the law? Well, the Bible says there's, there are two points of, of the law. The first one, actually, in Romans 3 verse 20, it says, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sins. Actually, the first thing of the law is it just exposed to us the wrong things that we're doing. But the second part of the law and point of the law was to bring true life. When the people of Israel traveled into freedom, it was then the law was given them to live a full and free life. But that was impossible. No one lives up to that mark that was set by that set of laws. No one can do it until Jesus comes now. And through his life, death, and resurrection, 
Jesus was the first fully obedient human being, the first faithful Israelite who fulfilled the law completely. Yet through his death and resurrection took on the stuff that me and you do wrong. Took on the sin and the bad stuff that we have going on inside that I know that I've got going on on the inside of me, but I also, other people can see in me and I can see in other people and it happens to me and it happens in me. Jesus takes on all of that and fulfills the law through taking on our sin and dying on the cross. But then he brings full life through raising again. It's a beautiful truth that we believe. It's the center point of our faith. It's the center point here of the Bible. Again, Romans 8 verse 3 says this, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A key thing to say here is that God doesn't kill Jesus because he hated humanity. Really important. But God does really hate sin. He hates things that get between us and him. He hates the stuff that means that the intimacy that he so desires isn't possible. And he loves us so much that he would send his only son, Jesus. So I want to ask you again, what are you known for? As you look at your life, as you look and think about the things that people have said, but also that you say about yourself, maybe add in, but what does God say about you? What are you known for? We're going to come into communion in a minute, and it's an opportunity for us to encounter Jesus, fully God, fully human, who takes all of our wrongs so that we can be in relationship with God, the holy God. There's an invitation for us in verse 12, and it says this. So it's John 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There's an invitation again for us now to come again to Jesus, maybe even for the first time, and to be known as children of God, to live in Jesus's perfect love, to bring light into dark places. I'm going to pray for us now and then hand over to Rachel. She's going to lead us in communion. So God, we thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, fully human, fully God. We thank you that this isn't just history, but this is real life now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here by your spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you bring light into dark places. 
We thank you, God, that you are not distant and far from us, no matter where we've come from. Actually, before anything had happened, you knew who we were and you love us. No matter the circumstance we came into this world, you know and love us. And Jesus, as we take communion, I remember your life, your death, your resurrection. We pray that we would encounter you afresh. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Matt. It's really appropriate that we celebrate communion now as we focus on who Jesus is, the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world, it says in Scripture. If you are on a journey of faith and you want to take communion as a step towards Jesus, then you're so welcome to come and take communion this morning. And also, I've got a little pack here. Thank you. Um, it's called a discovery pack. And all it is, is it, it includes a, a gospel, the story of Jesus' life. It, it talks as an invitation there to come to an Alpha course. There's also a booklet called Why Jesus, which explains who Jesus is in a really succinct and helpful way. And if you're here and you're on a journey of faith and you're exploring faith, you'd love to pray with somebody. You'd love to have one of these and come to the front and get one. We'd love to give you one and bless you. But before we take communion together, we're told in Scripture when Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to the church, he says, before you come to this table, take a moment to pause and confess your sin to Jesus. To say sorry for the things that you have said or done or should have said and shouldn't have done or the things you've thought Jesus talks about. You know, when you look lustfully at somebody, that is as bad as doing the deed. So I know what I'm like. And I know that I need to take a moment to pause. So let's just close our eyes and take a moment in our hearts to say sorry to God for things that we've said or done or not said or not done, where we have marred the image of Jesus that we carry in our lives, where we have crossed boundaries that we shouldn't have crossed, where we have seen things with our eyes that we shouldn't have looked at where we have said things that we shouldn't have said. Let's just take a moment to say sorry to God and, to, and I will pray a prayer for us as we claim his forgiveness again. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus to die in our place to deal with our sin and our wrongdoing. We, we are sorry for the way we live our lives. And we ask you to cleanse us from our sin, to put your power within us. We claim your forgiveness in this moment. We claim that, that fresh slate that you give us, where we can know that we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. And we say thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness, that we can walk out of this place knowing that that is true and that is real. And we can access it because of what Jesus has done. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread.
and he broke it just like this and said, this is my body broken for you. Take this and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns again because he's coming back. And we celebrate this until he returns. And when we do this, we're, we're remembering what Jesus has done in the past. We're kind of accessing his forgiveness and grace and mercy today. And we're looking forward to the day he's going to return when we won't need this meal anymore because we'll be eating with him. What an incredible picture. And we love to say the acclamation here, which is Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We say it to ourselves, we say it to each other, and we say it to the spiritual realm. We remind them who is Lord, who is King, and who is Sovereign. So let's say that together with gusto. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Amen.